King and Yates, they bridging the gap From the US to Dubai, put pins on the map Ball is life and that's a fact And a ball is life, about that exact King and Yates, they bridging the gap From the US to Dubai, put pins on the map There's a time to score and a time to assist Ain't no YN team, let the winning commence From generation to generation, game don't stop The new and old school got the game on lock it's all legendary, it's all necessary We all been all-stars before February And after that, <clears throat> Yes, sir, BTG Nation We're back in action You know where we are live and direct from Dubai, the UAE um, Hoop Mountain Dubai, Hoop Mountain DXB, Hoop Mountain that AE You guys know the vibes This week is a little bit different though this week is different energy. We came a little bit later, but for good reason. Um, at the end of last episode, we gave you guys a teaser to a documentary um, based on Coach King's college team, one that had one of the most legendary HBCU runs in a tournament, making a 15-2 upset. Um, and as you guys know, I've always hinted to the stories of the real JK. And you guys know he's a he's an OG, right? We here trying to bridge the gap and everything. <laughs> but the old heads don't really want to tell you what's really going on. And now we we might have a little bit of a surprise here today. Um, but before we jump into there, you know we gotta do our thing. How how you feeling? You all right? Man, you know I, it is. You sweating a little different today. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the, it's the end of the term. You yes, know what I'm saying? Sir. I've been I do a little bit more work than you do. That's so I'm saying I'm I'm working 23 hours compared to your eight hours. So yeah, I'm a little I'm a little tired right now. A little it's, exhausted. It's cool. And and every, our listeners, BTG Nation, know the truth. We wouldn't be able to be on the other side of the world, just the two of us doing what we're doing, if you were doing everything by yourself. Everybody know how tired you get and how soft you are sometimes. Come on, man. You, you started Let's... sniffing because the AC was on. Well, I'm old, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> nah, but it's all love, um, BTG Nation. This one is really, um, it's probably... The definition of our title, right? Bridging the Gap. Yep. Um, there's a lot of education that got to be made. And you guys know we're here because we get tired of the wrong voices being in the forefront for our black youth and for basketball, period. Right. And so now it's going to be a historic moment to where we kind of reference some things you guys probably don't know about because it's not on Instagram and TikTok all the time. But it's something you need to go reference because your history lets you know where you've been so you can get to understand where you're going. And so, um, Coach, you got that trailer to kind of give the people who didn't catch it a glimpse at what we're going to talk about today. Yep. Let me go right now. Welcome to Baltimore. I didn't know anybody that went to Coppin State. I didn't know where in Baltimore Coppin State was. He was a coach with no Division I coaching experience. Bang wanted to do it his way. He saw a place where he could create something out of nothing. Always said, you could play with Bang Mitchell, you could pretty much do anything in life. You're going brain dead out there! They were players from Philly and South Jersey who were unwanted and unappreciated. Everybody was here because somebody else didn't want it. So many of these kids just wanted to play. Together, they came to a tiny commuter school in West Baltimore and brought mayhem to the world of college basketball. What happened? We lost them? No. Nah. <laughs> I looked up in the stands. I said, you'll know at the end of the game. Here's the story about how the Eagles... 
All right, and so what you guys just heard there was the intro, the trailer to um, the Coppin State documentary called On and Coppin, um, which I believe is on ESPN Plus. Yep. Yeah, and so um, this is part one of that interview, that conversation, that barbershop talk with some of the players. So today, um, Coach, I'll let you introduce your guys, man. All right, so, you know, starting off with uh, – some of our top guys here, you know, my, my real guys. Any guys that come through for me right here. Uh-huh. So we got uh, Antoine Brockington, you know, we aka Twan or Twanny, you know what I'm saying? Or sometimes just crazy, just crazy, you know what I'm saying? We got Turquin Mott, aka Turk or Quinn. We got Gerald Seaman, aka G Depp or Squirrel. Y'all know why we used to call him Squirrel because he's always dancing, making <laughs> with them crazy names and stuff from uh, from Florida. We got Fred Warwick, oh, aka Fred or Freddie Fox. You know, yeah. we got we got Troy Lewis. We ain't really have a nickname for Tro- Troy, but he, Troy was just our point guard, smart ass. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you know, he was low key okay, type of guy, yeah. and um, <clears throat> that's it. The rest of the guys couldn't make it today, but um, we, we got the crew right here. Yeah, that's love. So I'm looking at the sheet, fellas. Um, and those for those of you, um, I'm Coach King's young boy. Um, I played for him at TC years ago. Um, then he dragged me out here to Dubai, and and he sold me a fool's dream and said I was just gonna be here two years. Now I'm stuck going on three. You know, it's, it's all love. Though. Tell the fellas, I changed your life. And anytime you deal with me, I upgraded your life. Right? Tell, them what, you, tell them what happened when you got here. We still ain't. We still ain't got that championship back, man. I'm waiting for it. Listen, I can only do so much. <laughs> look, but look, on the, I'm looking at the docket, right? And he got all of you guys down here with nicknames, except for Troy. But he don't have his names down here. He tried. You know how sometimes he tried to back away from the light. Did y'all have some nicknames y'all used to call him? Uh, it was just Jupac or JK. Jupac or JK. Yeah, simple. So, so where did Jules the Jeweler come from? That's that's after the fact. <laughs> that's my my man from Chicago, Enoch Davis, gave me that overseas. Oh, all right. All right. There you go, starting stuff, man. Shit. No, we're letting it in. Everybody tapped in? Everybody here? Yeah, yes, er- sir. Yeah, yes, sir. Everybody can unmute your mics yes, now. Sir. Hey, we all here. Yeah. Like again, y'all feel free to go ahead and jump in and talk about it. Um, but we'll, we'll start with just what was that that year like? Because a lot of people are going to see some things on the documentary that may not have been able to um, understand or comprehend all the way. Because the locker room is just different amongst players, right? Some things just that go on that you can't really tell public. But you guys here, no coaches, no film directors, you know. What was that that year like prior to getting to the tournament? For me, the year was, uh, it was actually, it was stressful for me. Because, you know, um, all kids from the inner city, poverty stricken, they got dreams of getting out the hood, making it to the NBA, things like that. So my whole time there, I was thinking about going to the NBA, you know, am I doing the right things? Am I, am I playing well enough? Are people seeing us? You know what I mean? And you're trying to cultivate a winning atmosphere, but internally you still worried about if you make it yourself or not. So it was stressful, but it was also fun. You know what I mean? Like, cause, cause I had some warriors alongside of me, you know what I mean? So it was, we, we, we learned to have fun in that stressful environment. Hmm. 
So when you say when you say um, it was a stressful environment, would you say would you say some of that stress was um, you know in in terms of just not only you trying to achieve your dreams, but um, stress in terms of just trying to live up to you know the um, the perception of what we were supposed to be at Coppin in terms of like all of the the transfers that that came there and and then the year that we had before you know where we came we fell a little short so what I'm saying how right. where, where do most of your stress come from um, exactly to be you know so everybody here in the Middle East will kind of get a feel for that well the the to be honest and candid we weren't supposed to be there. I wasn't supposed to be at Coppin State. Right. You weren't supposed to be at Coppin State. Yep. You know what I mean? You like, right. you were a power five player. I was a power five player. Uh, Reggie Welsh, power five player. Twan Brockett, a power five player. We shouldn't have been at Coppin State. We had other opportunities to play at bigger schools. You know what I mean? So right. for one, if, if you can't come to Coppin State, right, and average 15 points. Right. You know what I mean? Right. If you if, if you if you think you're a Minnesota, Missouri, Maryland, Duke player, then you come to Coppin State, you got to tear that shit up. Right. You, you got to tear it up. Right. You know what I mean? So that, that was stressful in itself. Just me looking at myself like, man, I'm not supposed to be at Coppin State. I got to get 50 every game. And then you got three other players that's like, I ain't supposed to be at Coppin State. Mm-hmm. I got to get 50. So now we all try to get 50. Right, right. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, 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 then you look at, at, at the end of the game, like one thing I never, ever pretended was that I was playing for the team. I represent the name on the front, but I'm playing for the name on the back. You know what I mean? So yep. I got to get my numbers and we got to win. Right. I, I ain't here just so copy can win and then I go work at Wawa when I'm done. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Wawa so got the good sandwiches, like, though. Absolutely. They do. It's like, it's, yeah, they got the good sandwiches. That's about all they got. So it's like, you got to find a way to make this work. You know what I mean? And, and from the drive, I go right to Fang and I'm like, Fang, Twan's shooting too much. I ain't getting no touches. He like, he say, just relax. We gonna need that motherfucker. We gonna need that. Motherfucker. We gonna need him. You getting double team. You gonna get double team, and you gonna need them. So just relax. Right, right, man. Them double teams start coming, and Twine and Danny, they start going off. Even in practice, Jewel going off. I'm like, yo, we got a chance to be good. Mm. You know what I mean? So like, that's when it start clicking in my head, and uh. I was just like, I'm just going to sit back and ride the wave. Like, and, and, and it became less stressful when I start understanding that uh, we all here for the same thing. It ain't just about me. You know what I mean? I, right. We all got to get some money out of this and we all got to create a legacy. That so, you did. Did um, And that was Turk right there? Yep. That was Turk. Yep. Yeah, I think we got Twan on too. Can you guys reflect on what that was like? Because for those guys that... Um, that weren't Power Five, because I can imagine somebody being like, "I'm gonna go to Coppin because you know that's gonna be an opportunity for me." And then when you at school, you got somebody coming from Temple. You got a power. You got four, five Power Five guys coming in, and at one moment, what you thought was gonna be your chance to sign, now you're on the back seat. Can you guys talk about how you know you might have to adjust with some other guys on the squad? 
Yeah. Um, from my point of view, my thing was I always thought I could play 40 minutes. So what hurt me, uh, well, what I thought was hurting me, I should say, was Fred coming. You know what I mean? Even though I knew Freddie, I knew he could score. So he was uh, better than me. Then we had Jew coming. And I'm like, all right, both of these cats, like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. That's going to start taking my minutes. Then Gerald, he comes, and I'm like, all right, it's too many wing players for me. So now my thing is, it's insecure within my own ability and my own game. <clears throat> so when you start looking at it, man, and you think back, and one thing I always took back even up to now, I should have listened to Turk and Jew and Reg more. But at that particular time, like Turk said, everybody was going, thinking in, well, me thinking I could play at the NBA level on the wing at a 6'2", then a 6'3", shooting guard, which mm. ain't going to fly. Mm. So, you know what I mean? Looking back at it, man, it was, if I would have listened to, to Turk and Reg and Jew earlier in my career, I'm, I'm pretty sure I would have been much better off. You know mm. what I mean? So it's like everybody had to put their personal goals aside in order for us to win. So when we started doing that, that had to be like probably the end of January at that particular time. We started hitting our stride, uh, finishing off the MEAC, getting ready for conference play. You know what I'm saying? But just think, I always think back about that. Like even, even up till now, um, one of my biggest regrets, and it's crazy, is 25 years later. But I, I'm apologizing to my guys now, Turk, Reg. Do Freddie, uh, Troy's because y'all all on here and Gerald. Looking back at that uh, Texas game, man, and it took me 25 years to realize that I was the reason my team didn't get uh, that our team never made it to the Sweet 16 because people gave Danny and Fred grief for so many years as being a scapegoat of why we didn't win because they blamed it on Fred with the past, but in reality. The out-of-bounds play, I was supposed to run to that damn corner, and my man was the one who stole that shit from Danny. And I've been carrying this shit around for 25 years, bro, that I cost my guys a chance at a Sweet 16, which I felt like we would have really won. You know what I mean? Because we would have played Louisville with DeJuan uh, Wheaton. So to y'all, man, to my brothers, man, I definitely apologize because that was a selfish act because I just made the shot, and I wanted the ball to win the game. As opposed to just winning the game, I wanted to be the damn hero. So with that being said, man, this shit been haunting me for years. But I definitely apologize to all y'all, man. And I love y'all. I know we can't get it back, but I've been carrying that shit around for 25 years, knowing I was the reason we didn't get that motherfucking chip. Well, you you should have said, just to touch on that real quick, you should have said that to me the day after the game, because I would have told you, yeah. no no one play or yep. no one player. And this for all the players that's watching, that's listening. It's not one play and it's not one player that can cost the team a game. You know what I mean? We lost by two points. And it's harder to determine that when you lose by one or two points. You know what I mean? Everybody missed the free throw. Everybody had a turnover. Mm-hmm. Everybody had uh, a, missed, a missed field goal. So if you add all those missed field goals up, I might have been responsible for five points. Fred might have been responsible for five points. Twine, you responsible for five points. You know, if you go down the list, we all mm-hmm. cost the team two or three points. If you add all those three points up, you're looking at 18 points. You know what I mean? So it's never one player, even though it happened at the end of the game. And I tell all my guys this, that I'm coaching. 
There's never one player that cost the game. You, you could have saved the game, but you didn't cost us the game because we all had three or four mistakes that total three or four points for the other team. So I don't even accept that apology. That shit wasn't, it, it wasn't on you. It was on, it was on all of us as a team. We all win together, we team, lose yeah. together. <clears throat> yeah. mm-hmm. That's love. Yeah. You, one thing you got to remember, man, um, you know, I, you know, we're older now and, and, you know, the years have passed and you, you, you've been carrying that around for all these years. And, you know, I hate that because I don't like to live in the past. Like, you know, I had some difficulties in college at both schools, but I've moved on from all that shit, all that shit. You know what I'm saying? And I want you to know this, man. I I really appreciate what you just said, Tuan, but we wouldn't have got there if it weren't for you doing what you've been doing. We wouldn't have got there. Just what Turk just said. Everybody played a part in us getting that far. And it is what it is. And it's history. You know what I'm saying? It's history that Coppin had never achieved before. So, we're a part of greatness, man, and, and you're a big reason of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's right. That's, that's beautiful. And so you guys just, it's like perfect <clears throat> energy, right? Because part of the reason why we sit and we put this podcast together was because we always said that there was a, a gap in communication between the old heads and the younger. Um, and we don't get a chance to talk to each other as black men enough, right? And so you guys just having that moment on here and just for whoever, however many people are going to see this, it's going to inspire something and move people into the right direction. So we appreciate that. Um, but let's get a little spicy. Let's get a little messy here, right? Here we what, go. What, what, was, what was Jupac like as a, as a teammate? You know, I, I heard the stories about not wanting to wear the felines, you know what I'm saying? Uh, wearing the trainers in the practice and, you know, a couple other things. But what was, I want to hear this from everybody's point of view too. What was, what was JK like as a teammate? Jew was a, Jew was an overachiever. Mm, oh yeah, he's still that. The reason I say he was an overachiever, how many years you did at, at, at uh, Temple, Jew? I was there uh, two and a half. Two and a half years. He's, yeah. That's an overachiever. Because he should have been done after his first day with John Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> he should have been done. Yeah. I don't understand how he made two and a half years with John Cheney. He's an overachiever. <laughs> Drew is the worst negative teammate ever. <laughs> <laughs> ever, dog. Yeah, like, two and a half years is a lot of years with John Cheney. That's a lot of years to do. Yo, yeah. this is my teammate. This is my teammate, right? I'm the best player on the team. <laughs> His room sits over top of the parking lot. So if you're going into the dormitories, you got to walk past Drew room and he's standing on top. He decide they want to shoot me with water guns. He's <laughs> the best player on the team. <laughs> like, the water guns, the, 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 the water guns, I know nobody else don't got the heart to do it, but you and Red. So I'm walking back, <laughs> I, get hit, I get hit from the top row with water guns, dog. I said, you know what? I'm putting bleach in my water gun. I'm shooting everybody. <laughs> y'all want to play with me? I'm going to show y'all how to play this game. And I was like, what the f*** with you, dog? He just want to pick a, he want to pick a fight with the worst yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. I think it was the balloons. I think they was throwing oh, balloons. Throwing I, don't balloons know the I know I got wet. They threw the balloons at me. 
Yeah. And I was like, I got something for them. I got something for them. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, oh, hey, and since we're talking about 25 years ago in college, we will keep, he was a, he was a, got, he was a, uh, MF an alcoholic. I'm telling you all. Hold on, Slim. Yes, sir. Hold on, Slim. Here we go. Show. I'm telling on everybody. He was stressed out. I know he was stressed out. There's no possible way you can drink this much and don't be stressed. This oh. cat, man. Yeah, it was You would have $50, right? And he go buy a bottle of alcohol that costs $48 and they give him $2 change and then he say, oh, and let me get two of them little ones for a dollar. Let me get two. The <laughs> airport. The... All your... Oh, man. Yeah, the airport. Like... airport. So, but he was also the best teammate. Like, he, he was also the best teammate. Thank you. If Something you had any positive. problems, man, yeah. you could go to Jew room, right? <laughs> and you had your back. Don't turn the news on. Drew had to, he, Drew, oh, every oh, man. basketball team needs a Julian King on the team. Every basketball team. Yeah. And he had mm. some he had some beef with Fang, right? With our coach. Oh, okay, that's next. Yeah, that's coming yeah. next for sure. He had beef with our coach, right? So that kind of slid him down the line because he didn't want to comply. So now we facing every day a top player. On the second team. Yeah. Bro, do you know what it's like trying to guard this mug on the second team? He got free will. He's 6'5. He could yeah. jump. He could shoot. I'm like, hey, yo. Play the one, play, play the two, team. play the three, play the four. You yeah, the, like. Yeah. And then he got Fred. Play the four. So now Freddie, they no. have they running him and Danny. I'm like, damn, these motherfuckers. <laughs> the damn second then, team. Then, this is the first team. Then he pumping up everybody else. Like, go at them, man. <laughs> so our practices was real live games. Like, like most teams that practice, they going against secondary players. No, we was going against a primary player that's supposed to be starting. And then he's pumping up everybody else that's on his team. So we got like real live thing game practice. We're not going up against no second team. You know what I mean? So like our practices was like intense all the time. Mm-hmm. That's the... Well, so, like Jew, Jew is it like he, he as, as like he he might not have played one minute, right, on that team, but he was like so instrumental in yeah. all of our success just by the days and practice by going at us. You know what I mean? By being that that so I was the teammate that was like always aggressive. We gotta do this. We gotta work out. We gotta get extra shots up. And Jew was the yeah. teammate that was more relaxed, more comforting. You know what I mean? So, like, that balance right there, you know what I mean, yeah. is what we needed to be successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And we need a red. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well, the, to, <laughs> these cats <Philosopher>. crazy. <laughs> that, that never followed his own philosophy. Y'all crazy. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> everybody on this call right now had their own issues with Fang. Don't get it twisted. Everybody. You know what I'm saying? And and the one thing right. that I always knew that we're not going to win unless we all band together. You know what I'm saying? Your role might be different one week. I mean, that's just how it is. You know, when I first got the Coppin, you know, the cats that were on the team didn't hang together. And I found that, <clears throat> I found that shocking because I was like, yo, we, 
You know what I'm saying? We win together, we lose together. You know what I'm saying? But you only you only become a brotherhood if you hang together. And so that was one of the first things I wanted to do when I got to Coppin was that, yo, no matter what it is, we all go out together. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a picture that I'm I'm gonna give right. you to post. And it's with all the fellas out one night at a club. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how it ended up. I took the picture, but everybody in the picture had their shirts off. And I'm sitting there like, how y'all with your shirts off? And so that's when I, I said, you know what, though? But you look at that. Everybody crazy together. Club, everybody, yeah. <laughs> y'all was in a club yeah. in Baltimore with y'all shirt off? Yeah. Y'all was tripping. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't one of them clubs, yo. <laughs> y'all was y'all was That's dancing to Baltimore club dog. music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Y'all was percolating though. Dead, dead, dog. We, we, I, I may have to reset dead. the zoom. Okay. All right. So all right. Um and so I think from there we can talk more about um the OG, right? Fang Mitchell. We for a lot of us, um, younger cats, unless you like really in, indulge into the basketball world, you you don't really understand the legacy of a lot of our coaches. Because now in college, there aren't any long-standing coaches. You know, Coach K just ret- uh, retired, and then you got maybe Bayham and a few others. But it's no more John Chaney's and John Thompson's and nothing like that. But Fang Mitchell was a cornerstone in black coaching society. Um, but what was it like being what everybody says is a legendary coach in his own right? What was it like being with him every day, though? For what it was like being with Coach Fang every day? Yeah. Oh, man. Man, <laughs> well, it was actually right now. I just talked to Fang yesterday. I, I check in on him periodically. Um, yeah. What I realized is it was a blessing yeah. because we had a, a fatherhood we had a father figure in Fang, but we also had a coach. So when most people will be done with us, right, Fang decided I'm going to treat them and I'm going to speak to them in their language so they can understand. You know what I mean? So he'll say get out. Get out to practice, but won't kick you off the team. You right. know what I mean? And he'll, he'll give us space to cool off where if we were at a Power 5 school, they'll be like, yo, we got to do something with this kid. Get yeah. him out of here. We got a bunch of people yeah that want to come in. So with Fang, being with him every day was a blessing 25 years later. But in that environment, it was like, this mug, man. Here we go again with this mug, man. He come in here with these old feline sweatsuits on. He don't know nothing. He swear he know everything. He don't know nothing about basketball. Just give me the ball, let me talk nice. every time. You know what I mean? But he was actually, he was actually playing chess. Yeah. <laughs> And we didn't know that he was playing chess because the whole time we was playing checkers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, so he, he was he was he was definitely hard nosed, but it's what we needed because I still mm-hmm. carry a lot of what I learned from Fang with me today. Mm. You know what I mean? Yep. He, but he was he was he was a muff. He was a, I can't say the word, but he was one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, every day. Yeah, we this, was, was, this was every day. We really was too young to know back then, but he really was like prepared. He really was like preparing us. Like he was trying to get us ready, like for the big games. Like even with, you know, scheduling against the big team, the big nine conference teams that we was playing, like he was really like <laughs> trying to prepare us like mentally, like 
to get us ready so that when we go into playing conference play, it'll be a cakewalk. You know what I'm saying? And he knew that he was dealing with a lot of different personalities. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like strong personalities. And he had a strong personality itself. So, you know, like he clashed a lot with, you know what I'm saying, with Reg, with Jupac, with Turk. With Antoine, like he cl- he clashed a lot with them, you know what I'm saying? Because they had big personalities, and we had a team full of big personalities. But you know, being older and wiser now, like everybody understand like what he was trying to do now. But then we was too young to understand that and know that. Right, 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 right. Like so, right. for me, even for me, it was it was almost like, yo, I'm helping you out. <laughs> like even when I was transferring. <laughs> that was my attitude. That's I, we call I left LaSalle and I got Maryland, I got Missouri, I got Minnesota on my line every day trying to get me to commit. They been wanting me there. And I see Fang at a gym in, uh, in Philly at Temple. And um, they won't let me play because I'm not going to a school. And Fang sitting right there, Fang was like, he going to a school, he going to cop. And the, the commissioner looked at him and was like, you going to cop? And I was like, yeah. He was like, go ahead, you can play. I wanted to play that bad <laughs> in this tournament. So they yeah, had I remember that. <laughs> After it was over, right, he came to me and he started talking to me like, yo, I really want you to come to cop. I'm like, man, I'm not going to no f- Where copping that? I'm, I'm not going to cop. <laughs> and then uh, they got Mookie to talk me into going, yeah. like, you, you'll be able to play with your brother. You can, you can play with Mookie yeah. Stewart and y'all can take it over. And Mook was like, man, come on to cop it, man. He's like, yo, if you could play in the NBA, they're going to find you. They're going to find you anywhere. And that's how I came to cop it. So, so my, my, my whole attitude was like, yo, I'm helping y'all out. So don't give me no crap while I'm down here helping y'all out. I'm down here. <laughs> so we was actually fighting for who was the big dog of the program. Eric Fang and I was actually, we had an internal battle on who was the big dog because really he built it from nothing. Nothing. And here I am, a player. I know I'm going to dominate at Cobb State. It's the worst conference in the bas- Division One basketball. I'm not the worst player, so I, I know I'm going to dominate. So I feel like I'm helping Fang out. You know what I mean? So it was it was definitely confrontational every time. Every, every practice. I had, to, I had to mentally prepare myself. Like, I got to go up and deal with this mug, man. Like... I went. I came in one day. I had my long johns on because he liked to start talking. <laughs> he start talking. No, he start talking, and he'll talk for 30, 45, an hour, 30, 45 minutes, or even an hour. My knees start getting cold, oh. and then he'd be like, "Roll the ball." I'm like, "All right, let's go, bro." I can't go 100 percent that fast. I need to warm up. He don't let us warm up nothing. So I had this bright idea. I'm going to come in there with my long johns on. So when he start talking, <laughs> right, my, I don't get cold. We ain't got no heat in the gym. We at Copper State. We ain't got no heat in the gym. The doors to outside don't shut. You got to pull them shut. You know what I mean? So if somebody come in the gym while you practicing, then the door just still crack. Yeah. The air comes. Yeah. Like, yo, shut the door. Yeah. Yeah. I was thugging. He started talking. I got my long johns on. He like, Turk, get out. What you mean? Get, take the long johns off or get out. Bang, I get cold, man. When you start talking, take them off or get out. Man, <laughs> I take the long johns off, man. 
three years later, everybody wearing tights up under their shorts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said turn. I said turn to this shit twenty years ago, cause that's crazy. Yep. Copyrighted them long johns, cause that's, that's crazy. Good so, and, and that's one of my. That's actually one of my. The one of the stories I tell my kids, like, don't ever let nobody talk you out of your dream or kill your dream. Not even your dad. Not even your parents. It's mm. your dream. You got the vision for it. Mm. You know what I mean? Because one day, somebody said. I want to sell groceries on a phone and they're going to be delivered to your house. And somebody was like, that's a dumb idea. Who won't buy groceries <laughs> off a phone? Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? Somebody said that was a dumb idea. And now we're here. You know what I mean? And now, now we yeah, now we're here. So I tell all my kids, if you got an idea, you run with it, even if the most important people to you don't believe in it. Right. That's a, you know that's a I mean? gem right there, for sure. Yo, but that's 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 one of the stories that like like dealing with Fang, man. Like he 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 was a beast and he ain't care about nothing or nobody. Hold, hold on one hold on one second, y'all. I'm gonna um end this the Zoom because it's run out of time, and I'm gonna send you another link right away. Gerald, you in the you in the gym? I'm done now. Nah, I just got finished with this bro basketball count. <laughs> Hold on, man. <laughs> Hold on, man. Yo, my man, stop talking to them kids like that. <laughs> how, how, but how's the camp over? It's like it's like seven in the morning out there. No, nah, you know, it's just started at nine. What kind of camp is I'm that? Man, one hour camp. That's like, <laughs> the lady that's <laughs> man. That's 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 ghetto as hell. What? what Making the, them change their money back, man. The, with the camp from no, the, that's more stealing. Cause. The camp from <laughs> the camp from seven to, to what seven fifty nine. What was that? Yo, hour and a half. That's all they need. God, how much y'all charge for that? No, this boy's stealing. <laughs> no, no. My boy, my- about forty ahead. Shit, I gotta get paid. You charge somebody forty dollars. Hey, yo, yo, man. Forty dollars for what? <laughs> Hour and a half. You charge forty dollars for what? Yo, they, they got a they got a morning camp that it's like an hour long. A camp that ain't a camp. That's a clinic. That ain't even a clinic. That's a that's a workout. He says a trust camp. <laughs> right. It's a drive through camp. That's drill charging forty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. got a drive through camp. He got people going to. That's cheap, dog. Thank you, Turk. Not for that. <laughs> not for that length of time, though, Turk. Bro, I charge seventy five dollars an hour to work out. Thank no, you. That's no, how no, much no. I charge for. No, this is. I charge eighty five. This is. Uh oh! Here come the numbers. Oh. <laughs> look, look, look. Here we go. Man. Look. No, 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 we ain't gonna talk about that. We ain't gonna talk about how y'all extorting hold on, those kids. Hold on, hold on. Drew, how much you charge? A one ten. Say what? <laughs> Shut up. How much you charge, Drew? It's they look blue magic. He, he, uh, he, he said, You know, a lot of my stuff is pro bono, Turk. You know, I'm trying to give back to the kids. Look, he's selling he's selling blue magic, fellas. It's reasonable. <laughs> it's re- it's oh yeah, like like for example, basically, right, when when I get in the gym with a kid, I'm teaching them stuff that I learned from Rick Bettino, from Coach Cheney, from Ron Fang Mitchell, yep. from Pat Riley. You know what I mean? Yep. There's no other way they can get this information. You, you know too. what I mean? So like they got YouTube. 
You can't sit, you can't you two ain't gonna sit you in a room with Pat Riley that, for that's what that's what they selling it. That's, that's what they selling on on the YouTube and Instagram. They saying they got the top notch over there. That's what we fighting against. It's it's okay, man. If you if you're able to sleep at night knowing that you're doing that, extorting those kids, that's fine. It's okay. <laughs> you still a part no, of no, 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 no. So basically the way it works is they, they come into my camp, right? And they say that seventy five dollars is too much to learn how to play the game in a pair of $200 Jordans. So yep. you'll get the money to Nike so you can look good, but you won't give it to me. That's really going to give you game. Exactly. You know what that's I mean? So for, for me, for me, if I go to the hood, right, and I'm on a playground, I'll stop. And I see a kid shooting in the rain, I'll stop and work out with him. But if you come into my gym with $200 sneakers on, you're paying $75 for my time mm-hmm. because I'm not giving you no stuff that this guy that was a security guard and decided he wanted to coach AAU is going to give you. And talking I'm giving shit. you some real stuff that I learned from top of the line Hall of Fame coaches and NBA mm-hmm. players. You know what I mean? And to me, that's worth $75 nope. to $100 per hour. So no, I'm not ripping, I'm, I'm not ripping them off. And definitely... If you're not, if you, if, if, if we talking about poverty stricken kids, then nah, I'm training for free. You know what I mean? Like I, I coach an AAU team in Camden and Dang. all of that is free. Like yeah. I don't charge nothing for that. Yeah. But if you want your son to come work out with me on an individual basis, $75 an hour. Oh, oh, oh no, 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 no. Let's get the situation. Let's set the scenario right. When I said 75, if it's an individual workout, or I might go a little bit higher depending on what level you're at. But I'm talking about if you got, say you got a small group coming in and it's just say it's 10 kids. Oh. You, you know, Gerald's charging them 40 for like a camp for, wow. for an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was still, if you got a small group of kids, hey, I was, I was I got still. A with, uh, with the Gerald, know, Gerald know his market. Didn't I say Troy was a smart ass? Yeah, he see right. I like Troy. I like Troy. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Yo. But you know what? That $40 might be a good price because you got to realize, too, some, some, some people just take their kids to them camps for babysitting purposes. True, true. And they rather, they rather pay you $40 than go pay the babysitter $80. True. True. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah so you got to look at that. You got to look at that, too. Okay. Y'all taking all this way too far. You know how I am. I'm talking about it can't be labeled a camp. It's an hour. And it's an hour. <laughs> a camp, that ain't, that's a. No, my camp, <laughs> it's a camp. It, this this cat. This oh, he cat said is, 90 minutes, big dog. No, oh, sh- <laughs> That made it that much better. Uh, extra 30 for snack Come time. Come on, man. Like, I wouldn't even get up and, and fight traffic in the morning for that. You got my kid for an hour and a half in the morning. That's crazy. You know, I'm, I'm, we moving our business. Girl, we moving our business to Denver. We're going to kill them. I was about to say, I'm about to come out there with Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, got seven, he got seven kids at $40 an hour. Like, uh, doing, is you, I mean, is you, you kidding me? Doing nothing, so... Look, but let me ask y'all this, um, and this is for uh, Troy and Gerald in particular. You know, Fang is known for having, you know, a bunch of recruits from the Philadelphia, Jersey area, you know, and then there's the outliers. Like, I'm from down south. You, um, Gerald's from down south. Rafi's from down south. 
Um, Troy, you're from Baltimore. And, you know, so starting with you, how was it being that you were going to Coppin and, you know, you were one of only a handful of guys from Baltimore to actually ever play at Coppin? How did how did that even come about? So it, it, it came through Skeet. Like Skeet was one of the, the people that actually recruited me, you know, being him being from Baltimore. So he kind of had that connection. He had his ears to the ground about players. And like an opportunity came up one time and he reached out and, and you know, we just had to, he made it work for me. Okay. But yeah, being, being local, um, the Coppin almost felt like an extension of, of high school because a lot of people I knew went to the Coppin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm going there, it's like it's one dorm. Um, but once I got there and, and, you know, seeing all the guys from like Philly, Jersey, um, you know, and just the level of competition, it was like, it, it was different for me. I'm, I'm coming from I'm a local kid trying to, trying to not necessarily fit in, but just trying to earn my respect. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm an undersized guard coming in playing at Coppin with, like you said, power five guys, guys that should have been at, at, at bigger schools. But for whatever reason, how the things work, they were at Coppin there with me. And so I felt like I had to kind of prove myself, you know, to them. And so my, my thing was, okay, what I couldn't make up for in height and, and different things, I was going to make, make up for in heart. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was about, you know, also just knowing that there were many shooters on the team. You needed somebody to kind of mellow that out, you know. And so my, my role definitely wasn't to score. It was to facilitate. And I accepted my role because I saw the talent that we had and, and you know, what it was about. Um, but it was, it was great being close to home because, you know, my folks would come see me play. Moms was always a big supporter. People from high school coming out to see me play. Um, and then even not knowing, like, just being a, um, you know, kind of just like a, someone that people looked up to in the, in the community as far as, like, damn, you went to Coppin, went to a local school, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that was something that, like, to now, people still relate to me as far as, like, you know, Troy from Coppin playing, playing on that, that 1917 um, that, that went to the NCAA tournament and, you know, 25 years later, it's still relevant. And I'm glad that, that these guys are finally, you know, we're all finally getting the recognition, but of course, the, the, the Turks, Twans, everybody's still getting the, the recognition, Fred's, Gerald, because it was, it was a big moment, man. That, yeah. was, that was a great moment Huge in time. Huge and uh, to, to be a part of that was just, just amazing, man. And to be a local kid and experience that and get the love from, you know, the people in the area, it meant a lot to me, man. It meant the world to me. Well, we're definitely uh, glad that um, you made that decision, man, you know, because we know it's hard, like, I know for me, I was like, I ain't going, I'm not going to school anywhere near where I grew up. That's just, I ain't going to do that. So for you to come and, you know, be a Baltimore kid and come to Coppin, man, we, man, we're so thankful that you, you made that, you know, made that decision and um, it worked out for the best. Um, Gerald, for you. Facts, facts, facts. <clears throat> Gerald, you know, you, you came from Florida, man. You were, um, you were one of the top guys in Florida, man. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how, you came to Coppin and fam you was in your backyard. How'd that happen? They they stole money with that pick right there, dog. They stole money <laughs> with Gerald came. That was that, that, that was a solid that pickup, crazy. man. I don't know how they got him here, but they stole money. Yep. Hey yeah, boy. It's weird. Like, I wasn't gonna go to Fam U. They was just like I was in their backyard watching the club. I can't go there. And then they recruited me late. They waited after Fame came and said something to me. 
So like when they found out things were cruel me, mm. they didn't want to start trying to like, nah, I ain't gonna mess with y'all now. And you know, and Fame was just there from day one. Okay. You know, he came to her, he saw gave my sister his card. Next thing he started calling me, I was like, okay. And then somebody else told me about Fang and Cop, and I was like, all right, let me mom, let me check it out. Then, you know, I came on my visit, came on my visit. I mean, the first person I met was Tawn in the gym. You know, Tawn was like, I'm gonna bring another guard. I was like, oh boy. Here I was, we go. Yeah, I was just about to say, he probably cursed you out the first time you met him, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then we was Tuan was mean as hell, <laughs> man. On that night, you know, that's when I met Turk. Turk came in with the water gun, you know, wet me up with a ski mask on his head. I was like, okay, you know. But then when I once I got to school, man, it's like just being around everybody. And I tell everybody to this day, you know, y'all the big brothers I never had. Like Julian, Rez, Turk, Tuan, you know, Troy, everybody. I tell them like those are all my brothers. So it's like just being there, y'all made me better. You know, from going from Florida to Baltimore was definitely a change for me, but it definitely, like, it made me grow up in a lot of ways, so. Man, you know what? Man, that's that's music to my ears to hear you say it made me grow up in a lot of ways, because I'm going to just take everybody back in time just for a moment. <laughs> y'all remember we were on a bus. We were on a bus trip somewhere, and Gerald was a big music guy. Y'all know that. And Turk grabbed one of Gerald's CDs. Y'all remember that? And Turk bent that CD. Man. Man. I ain't Gerald is Coach Ryan. Gerald is a mild mannered dude. Yeah. But when you mess with his music, man, this cat went crazy. And you know, Turk, Turk is the same size back then that he is now. So he's a monster back then. Man, Gerald jumped across those two seats. I said, yo, we're going to have to grab him because he's going he to he end up in the ER tonight. <laughs> but man, he, yo, yo, it was like, it was, it was in a matter of seconds, bro. It, mat- it was crazy. Oh, Daryl, you remember what CD it was? It was my Crucial Conflict CD. I was like, first, <laughs> I'm like, man, yeah, no. but I love Turk. Yeah. Man, I said, <laughs> I said, yo, uh, I said, this is crazy. Uh, yeah. This is crazy. Yo, man, so, <laughs> so as you as you see, Ryan, man, this group right here, man, we we had a lot of funny moments, man, on and off the court. And um, yeah, you know, it's it's man, it's a blessing to get everybody on the phone, man, and just and just talk about this stuff a little bit. You and know? and that's dope because we always talk about how um, the casual fans don't understand how important the locker room is, right? How important everything off the court is when it's time to communicate and just knowing, you know, your brother, knowing that they always got your back, right. whether it's on or off the court, mm-hmm. and how that translate when it's time for those tough moments. Maybe you're down 10 with three minutes to go and you look to your left and your right and you know both of y'all are like, yo, we got this. We're going to go fight for it because you did it before. But my my question is, um, I want to I want to know more about on the court, right? I want to know more about you guys' style of play and how it kind of prepared you guys for the tournament. Uh, because I didn't know I know what Cheney's style of play was, you know, listening to OG and seeing it, but I wasn't sure about Fang. Like, what type of system were you guys running, and what was you know you talked about everybody having to be in their role and accept that we all can't get fifty. Well, how did y'all balance that out? Um, were you guys in the open court a lot? What was going on? 
Man, we was pretty much down. <laughs> we definitely was getting up and down. But anytime we went to half court, the ball goes through red. Well, turf then red. So yep. we pretty much was, you know, Troy, me, Freddie, and uh, Gerald, Jew, even Jew. Like our job was to make sure Turk got the ball first because as long as he eating, we know sooner or later they're gonna start doubling. And that once you start doubling Turk, it was that was a ball game for us. You know, we we wanted him to get double because the rest of us gonna have an easy night. <laughs> so we knew we played. We pretty much was simple, man. We played the matchup zone. And what you got to understand about the tournament is they didn't have time to scout. Right. You know what I mean? So you got to remember Jersey, Philly, Baltimore, Florida. You're talking about dudes with a lot of heart coming from the inner city. You know what I mean? Maybe like with Troy and them, Troy and them was, they wasn't in the forefront. But Troy and them started developing that same mindset of, you know, we didn't care who we played. You know what I mean? Inner city kids, though, we've been fighting our whole life. You know what I mean? Like Church said, we coming up in poverty stricken areas, so we know how to fight. So you talking about playing basketball against guys at a bigger school meant nothing to us because we felt like we belonged where they were at. So hold that thought for one second, Tuan. Hold that thought for one second because the problem that we're having here in Dubai is that we have some kids with a lot of potential. But when Coach Ryan and myself put them in uncomfortable situations against somebody a little bit bigger, a little bit older, a little bit stronger, a little faster – they sometimes tend to shrink and then they make excuses. And so, you know, and we say to them all the time, back at the crib, this is how you grow up and get better. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And what you just said was everybody on this call, everybody on that team, by playing those, by the way we grew up playing ball and then playing those out-of-conference mm-hmm. games before the MEAC, once we got to the tournament, it, there was nobody to fear because it was, it's just basketball to us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? This no, is what we do. That's it. And so I'm, I'm glad that's you made cool. that point because now we'll take that and now we can use that as more ammunition for our kids. It's, hey, man, look, these are guys that actually did it mm-hmm. and this is how they came up. So why would you, why would you do anything different? They made history from it. Yep. Right. And made history. But that's from also it. Yeah. some that's also something you can't teach though. You can't you can't teach that uh you like you gotta have that, you gotta have that instilled in you. And that come with time, like that come with, you know, I'm just gonna say like for me, like, you know, living in West Philly, but mm-hmm. I play everywhere, Germantown, North mm-hmm. Philly, South Philly. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So just traveling, like just traveling and playing different places too, like is helpful. You know, I'm from West Philly, but you know, Sunny Hill League, I played for South Philly. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and Turk played for South Philly. He played for the older team. I played for the younger team. And we used to all be in a gym practicing at the same time together. So, you know, it's just like a thing of, uh, you know, traveling to and playing different places. Right. Um, that, Put, that's putting yourself out there. Beneficial for the kids out there. Yeah, putting yourself out there. Yep. That's also really yeah. beneficial for your kids out there as well, too. It's, it's, it's playing t- against different people. It's interesting hearing y'all Me. talk about that right there, though, because, um, you know, I, I just turned 30, right? And so I still got my ear to the ground a little bit, and I've been watching the generations come up um, under me. And like you said, I come under the, uh, Coach King's tree. And so he used to pick me up when I was 14, 15, and 6 in the morning to drive to Baltimore for an hour to go play with whatever pros he was with. And then when I came home, I'd eat, chill, and I had a basketball court right across the street from my house, and I'd go out there and play all day 
for however long as I could. But right now, it's like you can't get any of these young high school or AAU stars or whatever they call themselves in the gym just to play pickup. Like even on the summertime, you can't just roll the ball out there and say shirts versus skin and just bump. Somebody got to have a camera there. You know, somebody's brand got to be protected if they're playing outside. And I know a lot of you guys are out there um, guiding some of the youth. Have you kind of had to navigate that or even with your own children? A little. Yeah, I, I definitely experienced that. Um, and, and I definitely understand it, too, because a lot of what I was doing when I was young was dangerous. Mm-hmm. And it was actually against what I was trying to do. Like a lot of these kids are trying to go to the NBA, go to D1, you know what I mean? So you really can't be out playing around on the playground. Right. You can't be, you know what I mean? If if you're going to go out there and play, you got to make sure you protect it because you got a lot riding on it. Right. You know what I mean? So basically I realized we were living life dangerously. Mm. Like I'm playing pickup outside. I could get shot. I could get injured in a game that don't mean nothing. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I definitely experience it, and I totally understand. I coach DJ Wagner right now. Oh, yeah, big DJ, dog. the number one high school player, right? He can't play everywhere. True. But do you like, put do you put runs together for him, though? Because even then, like... Oh, yeah, only, yeah, only orchestrated yeah. with our team that I know no jealous player is going to try to injure right. him. Right. Or he's not going to get into a battle with somebody that don't mean nothing because they exactly. testing his ego. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you gotta protect these players right but, now because we were living dangerously. Yeah, but we, you know... But that's, also, that's all we had, though. We didn't have, mm, we didn't have a lot of... Uh, yeah, yeah, we didn't have, yeah, we didn't have anything else. So we had to play. Had to play outside. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we were living dangerously, but that also helped us. That also helped us um, with having that Killer instinct as well, edge, too, though. Being tough, you exactly. know, and that edge being tough. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. which is which is which is lost a little bit today in mm-hmm. some kids, like in a lot Definitely of kids. Lost. But they don't they but, don't have that. They have the skill level, but they don't have that edge to actually help them get over the top. But see, what right. what Fred That's said up. earlier about putting yourself out there, though, you know, like for example, you know, I coach Coach Ryan, and so any any environment that I took him to outside of where we were in the DC area, it was, it might've been a rough neighborhood. It might've been a couple rough, you know, a couple rough dudes in the, in the bump, but overall it was mostly guys like us on this call right now that could play. And that was older, you know what I'm saying? And going to teach the kids how to play the old school way. And so even when we would have stuff at the school, you know, we might have, three or four overseas dudes. We might have an ex-NBA dude. We might have three or four of the top high school players in the area, three or four college guys, and we're in there. And so we create that tough environment Mm -hmm. based on the way, how the game is played, twos and ones, you know what I'm saying, games to seven, you know, the length of time we in there, um, you know, and how we we make, you know, no, that ain't no foul, keep play through that. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, you know, so that's what I'm saying. That even that is lost today. Yeah. Because because guys don't want to play um, unless it's an air conditioned gym. Mm-hmm. They don't want to play unless they know they're gonna win. They don't want to play on mm-hmm. you know even if it's if it's your guy Wagner, the number one kid. You might purposely put him on a team full of scrubs because you know that's the level he's on, 
and against somebody else. But these kids now, they'll be like, no, nah, I, I, no, we, we trash. Right, right. You know what right. I'm saying? That's, yep. and, and right. that's, and so that's what um, we, we want to know, like, what can we tell everybody that's listening that happens to be a coach? Because there's a lot of guys here mm-hmm. and especially on Instagram leading the youth guys with like 10,000 followers and, <laughs> and shit. And they're showing kids the wrong shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So what, what's, what are some ideas that you guys may have that we could do in terms of like just spreading the word of how to play the game the right way mm-hmm. and be tough? For me, my perspective, um, I don't worry about what anybody else is doing. I never worried about what anybody else was doing, even when I was playing. So I take that same approach. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I get in the gym with my guys and I let them spread the word. You know what I mean? I give them the jewels and they sit there and they look with their mouth open like, yo, that's crazy. I never knew that. I never heard that, blah, blah, blah. And I don't really focus on like we got a lot of guys in Philly right now that's training. And I look at some of the videos, and there's 25 dribbles. They ain't go nowhere. And then they threw the shot. They make it three times. They're like, yeah, Keep come going. here to get this work. But, th- but that's what right? we're talking about, so, though. Think about it, though. You're saying. I look at Clay Thompson. All right. I look at Clay Thompson, who scored 50 points on 11 dribbles. Right. Right. But 11 look, dribbles the whole game, he got 50 points. But look you know at I me. Mean? So now. But check this out, though. Go ahead. You're saying. You're giving it to your guys. And and what, right. what Coach Ryan brought up to me last year was, he said, yo, you can't be selfish anymore. And I said, what you mean by that? He said, even though you you give all your knowledge to the kids, um, and even guys that you may have overseas as early 20s, mid-20s, he said, what are you doing in terms of passing on knowledge down to the guys that are coaching. Because he said, you have a long line, a line of guys that played for you that are actually coaching right now, but they may not know everything, but they have a passion to coach. Mm. And so Turquin Mott, Gerald Seaman, Fred Warwick, Troy Lewis, Antoine Brockington, everybody on this call, we've been coached by some Hall of Fame guys. Right. And, then we, and some of us had a chance to play after college. So if we just if we just coach our kids and our guys, we're really doing a disservice to the the next group of kids and coaches coming up because they only they only coach what they know. Mm-hmm. So we have to do a better job. That's why we have part of, part of the reason we have this plat, uh, podcast is so that we can help anybody that's aspiring to be a coach and do things the right way. They need to hear from guys like you in terms of how to do certain things. Because if they're just going on what they know, which is not that much based on their experience, then that's a whole generation of kids that's going to be giving us a headache the next yeah. 10 years. Yes. <laughs> so I'm saying well, the first thing, the first thing, that, that's an interesting point. The first thing about that is the desire to want better. Mm-hmm. See, I can go to every city, every country preaching Christianity. But if the people we preaching it to don't want to receive it, we preaching in vain. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with basketball and teaching good basketball. If you're trying to teach good basketball to a kid that don't want to pass and cut, you're teaching it in vain. So you establish your platform. You don't chase anything. You attract everything. Mm-hmm. So when you establish your, pa- your platform and it's working like a well-oiled machine, now you got people coming to you that want to learn 
better. You ain't got to reach out to nobody. You don't got to try to change it. Because think about it. It's 7 billion people in the world. Everybody don't want to play basketball the right way. Some people just want to do it their way. You got to let them kids go. Mm-hmm. And you got to work. Thing, yeah. Well, I went through with my son. I put it in front of you. I could get on this live right now and I could start teaching about good credit and how to buy real estate and stop spending your money on, on uh, clothes and dumb, like messing your credit up on vacations and stuff like that and investing in the assets. Everybody don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if I keep trying to make everyone accept and hear it, I'm wasting my time. So I'm not worried about those kids. You want to learn the right way, you can come over here. You want to dribble 25 times and get charged $100 for it, go with Chuck Ellis. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) What was you about to say? Because Chucky's solid. Like what Turk was saying, I'm the same way, man. um, People always say, why you don't let everybody work your kid out? I never did. You know what I mean? Because I felt like they're they're going to teach my son's kid that I didn't learn, so I learned a yeah, lot of shit from Turkey. Twan, we we losing you a little bit. Around Jay, I've never made my son. Wait, man, let me try to get this joint. Hello. Yeah, we yeah. got you. You got me. It's a little bit better. Yeah. So, okay. all right. Yeah. So, like for me, like for Isaiah, man, for years, everybody like, why don't you teach your son the mid range jump shot? Because mm-hmm. I always felt like everybody's going to come in here and shoot a bunch of damn threes. It made no sense to me because right. it takes more strength and time and energy to jack up a three. Even though I shot a lot of dumbass shots, I always told him about being efficient, man, and making the right basketball play. So being around Turk and them and just being around John Harnett and them, and I always mm-hmm. listen. I always tell Isaiah, anything more than three dribbles is a bad shot. You should not be standing in place dribbling the damn ball three times. So now speeding up to now when people watching them play, everybody used to laugh at me like, yo, your son ain't going to be able to do that. Like he's not, now he's the mid, he got one of the best mid ranges in the country. You know what I mean? And they're saying, oh, he needs to shoot threes now. But when we were coming up, the three point wasn't the main thing. So I toured him the game as I said, I played it when we were playing. You know what I mean? So I think, you know what I mean? Like he like that, I'm cool with shooting it. But now it's like, I'll let, like if Turk is talking to him or a pro is talking to him, that's a different message, man, because they like, oh, Twine, you don't send him to that. Why would I send my kid to somebody that I torch? You don't know how to <laughs> Yeah. Because yeah. I just cooked you, like, for your whole career, I've been trashing you. So how are you going to teach my son how to score? Right. right. So I teach Isaiah how to play the game the right way. So if I see Turk or, or one of them pros having a, a something that they're working kids out, yes. Hmm. I'm going to send him to Turk because that's my family, and I know Turk going to teach him the right thing. And not gonna come to me and say, "Oh, Twan, yeah." When I was, when I had him, he did this. So I never, I don't owe, I don't owe nobody nothing, and even does my son. You see, what I'm saying like we had a bunch of trainers, like Tur said, all these dudes training in Philly, but everybody's trying to eat off for off of whoever they train. So if he right. went to the league, that means you're going to eat off him because you're going to say, "Remember when I did this for you?" Yeah, right. So I don't allow it. So I right. taught him the game the way I saw fit. You so, know what I mean? So like Tur said, man. Now people want me to coach their kids. I'm not coaching their kid. Mm. I'm a coach mine because he's going to listen. Some other guys, you like, oh, you know, he took pictures with a pro, so that means he works out pros. Come on, man. 
right. Yep. So, yeah, some, so some people, some people, some people in it for the wrong reasons too. Yeah. Hey, hold on, hold on one second, hold on one second, hold on one second, fellas. Fred, hold that thought. I'm Y'all made great points on trainers and then kids not wanting to take in information, but one of the things that um, me coming, you know, it's a 28, 20 year age gap, give or take two or three years between me and coach, right? And so we're trying to bridge that gap between how the old heads see the younger generation and then also kind of making sure that the next generation of leaders don't come into place and then lead the next Gen Z into the wrong direction. And what I mean by that is I'm somebody that didn't want to coach. Right. But you talk about lineage. You know, I got Coach King here, my uncle Roland Houston. Um, I played Team Takeover. I got Keith Stevens. I got Morello Vest. I got a long lineage of basketball minds, people that's been teaching me the game. You know, Pat from out of Philly who was at uh, LaSalle, like a lot of guys that were yeah. basketball heavy. Right. That's like my family. And they were the ones teaching me the game. So for me, even at 30 or even at 25 and 24 and 23, even though I didn't want to coach I, from the outside looking in just because of who my old heads were, I knew that the game was lacking something for our next generation. And it wasn't necessary to kids because kids are kids. I didn't know anything when I was coming up. I just knew that I wanted to be like Kobe. Right. But I had to get in a situation where there were people teaching the right way to play for me to understand why Kobe was Kobe. And what I get on Coach King about is I know a lot of guys that want to coach right now and mean well. And as you said, OG, there's a lot of guys coaching that I torched as well. <laughs> and they're out there doing training sessions and they're out there coaching high school teams. And I'm like, I know I don't want to coach. But with the game that OG got, he got to find a way to share that with the ones that are coaching. Because at the end of the day, kids are only as good as the messages they're receiving. And so a lot of them don't want to receive it because they didn't have a thing. They don't have a, a Turk or a Twan or a JK. And so how do you guys get the messages to those young coaches? Because they got to be the ones to find their own way to talk to a player. Guys gotta be well. Guys gotta be willing to. People gotta. You gotta educate yourself, man. You gotta mm -hmm. research. You know what I'm saying? You gotta do your research. <clears throat> you know, you, once you do your research and you find out who, you know, let's just say for instance, when you throw it off here, you do some research and you can do your research and find out, you know, who were some of the top players in the city. You know, maybe maybe some of them players that played in the city back in the 80s, 90s. You know, maybe they coaching right now, you know what I'm saying, at different places. So maybe, you know, once you do your research and you find out who those, who were some of those top players that actually played the game for a long period of time, high school, college, professional, mm -hmm. and now coaching, you know what I'm saying? Those are the guys who you, you know, who you want to, who you want to talk to, right. you know what I'm saying? Because they've been through it all. They've been through high school, they played college, they played professional, and now they coaching. You know what I'm saying? And got the years and in coaching. So, right. you know, I just look at guys like, you know, for instance, and so that's like an Aaron McKee. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He played pro. He was a top high school player. Um, mm -hmm. He played college. You know what I'm saying? He played pro and he coaching now. So, you know, guys like that is guys that you want to, you know, you want to sit down and you want to talk to. So I just think it's all about, um, you know, like trying to, you know, research and, and, and find out, you know, guys that actually did it. 
Right. If if right, right now, because I know a lot of my guys is in the D.C. area, and they won't be able to get to Philly, right? But if y'all could leave two or three gems for them just to keep in mind, something that just gets the, the wheels turning, something to be like, look, keep this in mind as you go on your coaching journey so you can create a path so that our next generation of Hoopers, <clears throat> you know, can be in good hands at least somewhere. For me, the, the 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 gem that I have is communication. Mm. So when when you when as a coach, right, you communicate with the parents and you find out what the parents want for their child, and then you find out if that's consistent with what the child wants for himself, and then you find out if you can incorporate that into your program. You know what I mean? So if you bring a kid to me, you say, "Hey, like Big Mark Jackson, Big Mark Jackson kid, uh, Sharif Jackson is on our." 15 and under AAU team. And as uh, soon as he came, I called Mark and said, Mark, I got your kid. And Mark was like, Turk, he's not a five. He's a four. I want him doing this. I want him doing that. You know what I mean? And we had understanding. And he was like, Sharif going to do whatever you ask him to do. So now that makes it easy for me to work with Sharif because Sharif wants to bring the ball up. He wants to shoot. We came up in an environment where Mark and I was multi-talented. We can shoot, we can dribble, we can bring the ball up. So, of course, we're going to teach that to our kids. And then the kid wants it for himself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that makes a good fit for our mm-hmm. team. So as a, as a coach, you got to be honest with these kids. And you got to let them know, hey, you can play at this level. Or at this well, moment, you can't play at this level. Just... But if you want to play at this level, <laughs> these are the things you got to do. You know what I mean? So be realistic with them. I had some coaches that was realistic with me. That was honest with me, you know what I mean? And and these coaches uh that's coming up, just be honest with the kids and have have some integrity about your own motives, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if, if if you don't have good good intentions, it don't matter right. what you try to do with the kids. You ain't got good intentions, and God not gonna anoint that. Oh man, clap that up. Yes, man, that's, sir. Man, that's, that's real. That's real. Yeah. Man, that, that's what yeah. that's so, some integrity. Yeah, I'll, I'll add to that too, like. Um, creating a culture. Mm. Like if you create the proper culture with, with what your mindset is with the game, what it is you want to instill, it's like like Shaolin. People don't, Shaolin doesn't go to people. People come to Shaolin. <laughs> so if you're, if you're providing the right product to people, people are going to find you. They're going to come to you and be like, yo, Coach Ju, he's doing it the right way. It, it, you know, the, guy, the guys out there, they're doing it the right way. So when you create that culture, but how you want things to be done, you attract the right people. You don't want to. You don't want to coach all the kids. You want to coach the right kids. Mm. All right? So you, right. you want to attract the ones that that want to learn the game the right way. You don't want the ones that are just attracted to the highlights that people put on Instagram because that's the stuff that sells. When they don't see that it takes thousands and thousands of shots of, of the not fancy stuff, the ninety percent of the stuff you do during the game that is what they need to learn. So create that. That's what I'll tell y'all. Just continue to create that culture that you're building out there. Three years is a long time. You know, give yourself more time and everything will come. Like, okay, this is, this is where you need to go when you're in the Middle East. Yeah. These, these guys are doing it the right way. So let's keep that culture going, man. Man, clap that up, man. That's, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Troy. That's, yeah, that's, that's two right there. What we got? Who's going next? We can't go to Gerald because oh. he overcharged the kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Who we got next? <laughs> up, up there. Yeah. They they all they all oh, say so everybody quiet down. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So no, you know, I did Turk, Turk and uh, Troy said it best, man. I mean, yeah, it's the culture. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, they ain't really nothing to say. Yeah. Just don't charge forty dollars for an hour. Another thing, just to add on, just to, just to add on that, as a coach, what people don't understand is, as a coach, you have a responsibility to be more than a coach to these kids, mm. and that's how you get through to them. When they see you as more than a coach, you know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. talk to them about their day. Yo, how was your day? How mm-hmm. your class is doing? Hey, if you need anything, give me a call. Now they begin to trust you. Yeah. With that mm-hmm. trust, you could teach those kids how to build a house yeah. because now mm-hmm. they don't see you as a coach that's just yelling at me. You can curse them out now. What the, like I got a kid, Quadir Cope. Quadir is a power five kid. Uh, Quadir might be, I think he signed to go to Syracuse. Oh, sure. He was playing in a, um, a game somewhere. He went through his legs two times in the air and then spun it off the backboard and made the layup. Hey, I, I don't know if y'all know this guy, this guy, Filet. That's yeah, like Filet. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh, all right. Quad, yeah. I look at the page. Quadir is on there doing his fucking layup. <laughs> and I called him and I cursed him out. That's the, and I'm, a, I know we're on air, but I have no other choice but to be authentic. You could bleep it out. Yeah. But I said, Quadir, what the f- you want to do that dumb shit one time and, and Bayham going to send you back home the right. first time you do it. Yeah. And you got these dummies yeah. on Instagram yeah. glorifying it. That's the dumbest shit ever. Right. You'll never see Kobe. You'll never see Durant. You'll never see none of the top players doing that. Right. right? So oh, he looked at all right, my bad coach, my bad coach. But he respects me because I'm you, man. I love y'all, man. Appreciate y'all. All right, all right, all right Twan. I gotta go back. All right, all right thanks, Twan. I call you later. All right. all right, no doubt. All right, all right. But yeah, so so like, like I'm allowed to curse them out, but also because I show them love and they respect me. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's the one thing: being able to be more than the coach to these kids, and then you can get through to them. A lot of guys they don't know how to be more than the coach because they yeah. only look yeah. at once again. What they can get out the deal, oh, man. You know what I mean? You got to be more than that. Uh, yeah. Good coaches, teachers, good teachers, and coaches. Yes, All my good coaches was more. I still talk to Larry Brown today. I was. I only spent a couple summers with Larry Brown when I was uh, with the Sixers, but I still talk to him every day. Like yeah. every other day, I talk to Coach Brown. I talk to She Wallace. Like I, when you find guys that care about you outside of. Yep basketball, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's so much easier to receive what they said and to coach them. I, I used to talk to Coach Brown even when I was overseas. Hey, Turk, how you doing over there? How your season going? F*** this coach. Like, f- give me a job. <laughs> <laughs> he cared, yeah, word. He cared about me yep. outside of being a coach. He's, Turk, they won't let me sign you, man. They 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 they, they scared of you. They won't let me sign you. I, I would love to have you. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Just the fact that he calling me while I'm in Spain. He didn't have to call me in the middle of the season. Right. That's you know what I mean? So now that's yeah. like, that, 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 that's like, I, I realized the stuff that he was, t- and he had to teach me or coach me. He had to teach me things, you know what I mean? So even when he was at SMU, we all get together. Yo, Turk, what you doing? The she, man, she go to SMU. We go and visit coach, man. We sit in coach office for about five hours and he just tell us stories, man. Like, those type of relationships are hard to find, and um, when you when you create that atmosphere for the kids, they they receive anything that you got to say a whole lot better. So as a coach, create an atmosphere for your kids that's that that's beyond 
coaching and telling them to do drills and things like that. Yeah, man. Be prepared yeah, to be a definitely. father figure, mentor, friend, counselor, brother, everything. all that stuff, man. That's, all that stuff. That right there, you you basically, fellas, and get everybody listening, BTG Nation, this is a historic team. This is not just, you know, a group of guys we randomly call. Like, no, this is a team that went to the highest level and got it done. And they use no excuses. You know what I'm saying? All of them, they had their issues, whatever they had to go through. They found a way to still get it done because they didn't fight. And they made something historic happen. And what they've been saying this entire time is what we've been talking about this last year and a half that we started the podcast. And for our kids here in Dubai and the coaches that we've come across, culture. There's people that play basketball and they're basketball players, as I said on the last episode, and it's different. The way we walk, the way we talk, the way we interact with each other, it's a fraternity, and we all live on the same morals no matter what generation it is. And you guys are hearing it here. And so when you walk across this, this sand <laughs> and you see Coach King and I and we are delivering a message a certain type of way, that's because we know what that seed can grow into later, right? And so take that with a grain of salt. Um, fellas, thank you for for taking this time. We appreciate it. Um, I got one question. This is way off topic, way off topic, but it's something Coach King and I argued about. And um, I think, Turk, you said you're coaching uh, DeJuan Wagner's son, DJ Wagner right now. Yeah, AAU, so, Scholars Elite 17 and under AAU team. So yep. so you've been seeing everything on the circuit, right? And I don't want this, this is not a hate podcast or anything, but we'd like to talk, you know, reality, basketball-wise. Oftentimes, if you see our past episodes, we talk about why Steph not top 10 player all time and stuff, and we get yelled at from people. But it's <laughs> just basketball, unbiased. And so Coach King and I have been going back and forth about Bronny James about whether or not he'll be a pro or, you know, his high school career is going to uh, prolong him into being a pro in the next two or three years. I've said that I think he's a solid player, but I don't think he is going to be NBA-level talent. I think he maybe two or three years before that could happen with him doing in school. But you get gotten a chance to see him, I'm sure, in competition and um just to kill that noise between the two of us. What, there you go what, with this. What does the pro life look like for, for Bronny? Bronny's going to be a uh, probably a 10-year NBA player. Mm. All right. Not so, more. So, but he's definitely going to be a 10-year NBA player. So well, let, let him yeah. break this down, no, though, JK. Okay, okay. Because right, okay. we, we argue it. All right, okay. I want to see. All right, go like, ahead, Turk. My bad. Because because we, we know, like you said, we all see Instagram clips, right? And Bronny is the son of one of the most intelligent basketball players we've ever seen, right? And so IQ-wise, coaches understand it. But for people just watching, we only see clips. We might not be able to see the flashy stuff that Amari Bailey is doing. But what's going to make Bronny a pro? Uh, what's going to make Bronny a pro is the fact that he's in the environment mm. and mm. he gets a firsthand look at the work it takes to put in to operate and compete at that level where everyone else does it. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's small things, right, that makes a pro a pro. There's details. Like Julian King was a pro. Mm -hmm. He's 6'5". He could play three positions, right? But how do we get Julian King in front of all of the pros 
when he's beefing with his basketball, his college coach. Right. So now he falls through the cracks and doesn't reach his full potential. Mm. Right. So now you got Bronny James that's in front of them all the time. He's in front of Westbrook. He's in front of uh, Jalen Brunson. He's in front of these guys. And he sees the work that it takes, how they're, they're at the gym at 430, getting shots up for a seven o'clock game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whereas other kids don't have that. They're not seeing the work. Mm-hmm. So number one, he has his dad's backing. Number two, he has the access to all the equipment that he needs to become faster, to become stronger. And he has access to what that work looks like to be a pro. So will he ever be a Westbrook or a Kyrie Irving? No, but you got to think there's a backup point guard on every NBA team that is just basic. Mm-hmm. Dennis Schroeder. You okay. know what I mean? Yep. I'm I'm glad you said that yeah, yeah. because those are the same things that I told Young Buck. But you know how it is. You can tell your guys something over and over again, but they got to hear it from somebody else before they believe it. Man, you like, said, I'm not just I'm not just shooting man, smoke. You said it's because he can windmill now. That's what you said. No, no, we talked <laughs> we talked about his progression in terms of no, being no, an athlete. That matters though. Yeah. You know the what I'm saying? That, the this, fact that that he got athletic ability now, mm-hmm. like that adds on to it. If he becomes a more consistent shooter, yo, he can windmill and he can knock this top of the key shot down from that adds on to it to mm-hmm. the to the fact that now he's not just being a pro because of his dad, but he actually has attributes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so I, okay, I just yeah, wanted to make sure he wasn't gonna be Jeffrey Jordan. That's all. Come on, man. <laughs> oh he, no, no, no. He's got a different you know approach what? than they did. He's so far away from Jeffrey Jordan because now I watch I actually watched LeBron come to the game and coach his son. Hmm. And there's no tension there. He's hmm. like, Bronny, Bronny, come here. Covered his face up. This is your time of the game. You got to take that shot. You can't get a shot up. And he looked his dad in the eye and was like, I got you. I got hmm. you. So he's buying into what his dad is saying. Hmm. It's not like, why are you making me play? Why are you yelling at me? Why He's buying into it. So now, that right there stops him alone from being Jeffrey Jordan. Right. Yeah. Just the fact that you bought, remember what I said, you got to cultivate this atmosphere right. to where your kids can receive what you've given them. I don't know if Mike cultivated that atmosphere where he was able to receive what his dad was teaching him. And that might be just because it was beef between Juanita and Mike. We don't know what was going on, but Jeffrey wasn't receiving what Mike was giving. Gotcha. I think gotcha. I think I think you could use I think you could use somebody like Steph Curry though. Like mm. like how you saying like he was always around that environment. Right. He picked up the, yeah. you know, he was able to he was able to receive that education, you know what I'm saying? That experience from, you know, from his dad traveling and, you mm. know, being a ball boy and saying all of that. So you could use Steph Curry as somebody who like him and his, right. him so and and his brother, too. Right. And if you look, yeah, if, his brother. if you guys look at it, the past 20 years of former NBA players or overseas players, mm-hmm. all of their kids have been successful at a high level yeah. if, they, if they decide to play ball. That's because now the guys coming through know the importance of being in your kid's life in terms of helping them navigate this stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's why mm-hmm. I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to end up in the league in some form or fashion. Yeah. I'm not saying he'll be a lottery pick, mm-hmm. but you know, as you know, as, as, as Turk said, somebody will need 
a player like him okay. on the court. And and he's yep. not a distraction to the team. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's mm-hmm. that's the thing. But that's like we can name we can name 20, 30 other guys who have been sons of professional players in the last 20, 25 years, and they all are successful. Right. That's why Twan's son's gonna be successful. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. he's a part of what's going on in his basketball journey. Where the most when most of us on this call, we didn't have anybody in terms of a father figure that knew anything about the game to help guide mm-hmm. us through until we found our coaches. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? And each other. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's real. Mm-hmm. Well, man, that's- hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't get I didn't get your your uh the host name. What's the what's what's the that what's your name? Ryan Yates. Ryan. Yes, sir. I'm gonna give you another example, Ryan. You came up in the in the in in uh the Philly basketball circuit, right? Well, no, or DC, I, I, DMV, yeah, DC, DMV. Yeah. Okay, so it's the equivalent to if you were going to the uh, Bullets games or mm-hmm. the the uh, Wizards games every day with a guy like Rod Strickland, like yeah. you just were around the game. So now mm-hmm. you don't just see these guys shooting thirty foot bombs, mm-hmm. but you see them in practice shooting a hundred mid ranges, a hundred threes, and then you shoot see him shooting a hundred threes from three foot behind the line and you see him doing it in five spots. So right. you see the work and then you see how it transforms into the game play. Mm-hmm. Versus these other kids, they just see the TV and they go out there and they start shooting 30 foot bombs. Right. No, what y'all don't see is Steph make 500 shots inside the paint first <laughs> right. before he gets back to shooting those bombs. Right. So Bronny right. has an advantage over all the kids because he sees the work of all of these players. Yep, he got the blueprint. So, yeah, he got the got blueprint, blueprint where the rest of these kids don't got the blueprint. Right, right. And right. not only do we got the blueprint, but he's receiving the information. Yeah. He's yeah. allowing himself He's allowing he's actually his brain going, to open up and receive it. And he's actually going through it. Like, he actually going through those workouts, too. Right, right. Yeah. He's actually I, I getting that work in. You know what I'm saying? Like what you said, most kids now, they're going to go in the gym and they're going to get right behind the three-point line and start shooting three-pointers. Yep. Yeah. Instead yeah. of going in and working on the way back. And he knows how to take care know, of You guys know too. Imani Bates? Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah. And watch, he struggled yeah. this year. Y'all know Imani Bates? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching a, a AAU game, and the game is coming down to the end of the game. Is Bronny team is uh, versus Imani Bates team, and at the game they ran a pick, and Bronny let himself get picked, and somebody else switched on Imani. Imani scored, and Brian called him over and cursed him out. You don't let that switch happen. They making a switch because they don't want you going against them. Take the challenge. You guard it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Most coaches ain't going to do that. They're not going to make a a player that is undersized or under advantage guard another star player. Ron Stone in the water. You guard Imani. Show the that you can stop a top-level player. Mm. It's cheating. It's cheating. He's going to make the league. He's going to have 10 years, but it's cheating. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. That's (laughs) right. That's dope. That's dope. Well, 
Thank so, you. Thank you. This definitely, I don't think this will be the last time. I, I got a feeling that a lot of people going to want to hear more yeah, about sure. <laughs> what y'all think about basketball. Because this is like the round table. It's like when Marlo got everybody to the table <laughs> with Prop Joe, you know. So <laughs> uh, we appreciate you guys um, on and copping with the team part one. It was dope. We'll, we'll have some highlights and stuff coming out with some um, trailers. I'll make sure Coach King gives you guys the link to the podcast so you guys can kept, catch up on past and, episodes. And too. send it out to your kids. Yeah, and send it out. Uh, we got more coming. And of course, you guys will always be welcome to guest, be guests. If there's anything you want to get off your chest, you know, this is ours. You yep. know, there's nobody regulating what we say or what we do or how we do it. So if there's something you want to discuss, you know, just hit JK's line and we can make it happen. Yeah, um, you say whatever you want on our podcast unless it's about me. Yeah, no, nah, we, we, we keeping all that in. <laughs> are y'all guys, y'all in Dubai right now? Yeah, yep. yep. Okay, I'm going to get with y'all. I need connections. I'm looking for a place for vacation, so. Are we here? Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get in touch with y'all. We probably could do something this week. I'm like, Ju, I'm going to hit you up as soon as this call ends. And... I'm looking for a vacation spot right now. And I was thinking about going to the ABC, Bonaire or uh, Aruba or something like that. But if y'all in Dubai right now, we can come over, we can do some work oh, yeah. and we can enjoy the, oh, the don't, beach. All right. One call away, don't all worry. Right. Yeah, sure. yeah, we can make that happen. Um, but again, thank you guys. We appreciate you all. Um, I mean, until next time, we'll see you guys. Thanks, fellas. I'll be in, I'll be in touch with everybody. Right, Thank you. Thank right, you. Uh, Thank you. Man, that was money. I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Why you say that? Because technology, Zoom. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I kind of prepped them a little bit. I yeah. kind of prepped them a little bit. It was, so. that, was, that, was, that was love. I mean, we got to talk about Coppin. Then, then you guys got to hear basketball heads talk about hoop you know you got you hear some vulnerability um you heard some game you heard a lot of different stuff in there um i i, I, I have a feeling we'll hear more from them oh for sure of those for sure i'm sure we'll get it we just that. needed to get it started that's all yeah that's yeah. it man um you guys know what time it is post game wrap up you know oh gee man you know twine you know apologizing to us after holding something in for 25 years really um really reached me you know what i'm saying and um you know I, I wanted to say that to him about you know don't live with regrets because i've been trying to you know erase some stuff out of some negativity out of my mind as well about that and um you know for for all of our listeners out there you know it's just you know don't live with regret man you know whatever happened happened you can't change it you know, all you can do is focus on what um, you can control going forward and, and you know, live life to the fullest and, and just be the best person that you can. And any mistakes you made in the past, hey, that's why it's called life. Mm -hmm. You know, there's going to be bumps in the road all the time and we're not always going to make the right decisions. But if we can move on and, and wake up the next day, it's a new beginning. Man, and a blessing. Yep. You know, and, and that was so dope to see, man. Yep. That was so dope. And... And as an honorary post-game wrap-up from the fellas, culture and communication. Yes. Those are the two C's that we got from there. Yes. You remember how back in the day at TC, we used to have the, the board and everybody smack mm -hmm. it on the way out? We might have to bring that back soon. For sure. But culture and communication. That's the old, those are the, uh, that's the gems from the OGs there. Culture yeah. and communication. Um, 
for my post game wrap up, I actually got hit up by um, one of the young boys back home. Um, who said they've been watching me and they've been wanting to ask me some questions about things and just trying to get to another space in life, right? And the one thing I told them was that, like, you can't really predict stuff, but what's always helped me is that I was always prepared for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you don't know when the time is going to come for whatever it is you think you want or you're setting your mind on. You don't know when it's going to come. But between the day where you're just sitting and the day where the opportunity comes in between there, you got to be working. You got to be doing something to prepare yourself. You got to be collecting your tools, adding them to the toolbox. So when the opportunity comes, you're prepared to seize the moment. And so that's one of the things that you can do as all of you who are waiting for, you know, this particular person was asking about marriage. Some people asking about business ventures. Some mm-hmm. people asking about what school to go to. You can't, you can't predict the time. Right. All you can control is your preparation for when the opportunity comes. And so um, lock in on that. You know, as always, you guys know where to find us in America. Uh, BTG Nation, we're all over Spotify, YouTube, all that good stuff. Hoop Mountain Dubai, Hoop Mountain DXB, Hoop Mountain AE. Check in with us. Um, and as always, keep it real, keep it simple, and keep going. Player and coach, the brother, the brother. They both got views that you need to discover. From sports, current events, to just life talk. Whether you on a fast break or a nice walk, gotta tune in. You already know, G. This BTG Nation, and you one of the homies. Just tune in. You already know, G. BTG Nation, the other ones in the nosebleeds.